to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Mills, quick pass. Nico at the five. Nico in the end zone. The dagger. And Grenard with the sack back at the 25-yard line. Touchdown, Houston. Rock and roll. Tremont Smith, coast to coast. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Two weeks and one hour from this moment, the NFL Draft will commence. 2022 version with the Texans picking third and 13th to start it off. Mark Vandermeer with you tonight, along with John Harris and the General. John McClain joining us as usual on a Thursday night. Great to visit with you guys as always. All right, General, let's start with you. Pick number three. Look, you can change this. I know you might, but who do you have the Texans taking right now? Just give me your pick right now. Two weeks to go. Let's go. Iki Kwanu. I'd like to see him get Iki Kwanu to play as a rookie at guard with Titus Howard and and uh, Laramie Tunsil at tackle. And then with the 13th pick, I would like to see them get Florida State defensive end Jermaine Johnson, plug him in to play opposite Jonathan Grenard. You have your four defensive linemen sit. Nice. General, John. General, on In the Lab this week, uh, featuring Drew Doherty and myself, uh, shameless plug, HoustonTexas.com. Go check out all of our podcast page there. Drew asked me a question I thought was pretty interesting. Got two picks right now as it sits in the first round. How would you rank these? They go offense, offense, defense, defense, or mix offense and defense with 3 and 13. How would you rank what potentially they would do with those two picks? Mixed because they have such big needs on both sides of the ball and it's such good prospects for their need positions. Considering how bad the running game is, I think one of those positions goes to the offensive line. And then considering how desperate they are to improve the pass rush, because in Lovey Smith's system, they like to rely heavily on those four defensive linemen to rush the quarterback. And there's a lot of good edge rushers. So I think that I feel strongly they're going to fortify the offense defensive line. Now, if they turn around and, and take Sauce Gardner, a corner, or Kyle Hamilton, a safety, they have huge needs there as well. But I want everything starts up front. And I remember when the, the Oilers were really bad in the 80s and three years in a row, they took offensive linemen in the first round. Mike Munchak didn't turn out too bad. Bruce Matthews didn't turn out too bad. Dean Steincooler. And then they went to work on the defensive line with Ray Childress. Then skill positions with Haywood Jeffries. Those guys were all first-round picks. And and the idea at the time was to build a running game around Earl Campbell. And they were able to do that in 83 with Munchak and Matthews. And then Earl got hurt and was never the same. And uh, But I liked it because they knew they wanted balance on offense. And they wanted the kind of offense could have a powerful running game to help keep the defense fresh. And I liked that philosophy. And it ultimately ended up with seven consecutive playoff appearances. John McClain joining us on Texans All Access. General, the team got back to it this week with offseason conditioning getting underway. And for me, this feels like the start of it all in a way because they'll go through this program until mid-June with the mandatory minicamp. And then we have the big break and then training camp. And I know the big break is like, 
It's the desert, as I've called it from time to time. But it just feels like the year is really getting started here as far as player participation. And we see a lot of Davis Mills in the picks, in the video, among others. But give me a scenario here. Give me not your best-case scenario, because I know what my best-case scenario is, but give me a good scenario, something to feel good about, the way it might play out in 2022, the way they'd like to see it play out so you feel good about Mills and company going forward into 2023. What are you expecting here, or what are you hoping for? Not pie in the sky, not pipe dream, but just solid expectation here. Now, Nick Sirian and Lovey Smith have been around a long time. You know, they're not going to have false expectations. They know this is the second year of what Nick termed a massive rebuild. So I would think you would want to see Davis Mills improve on what he showed over the last five games when he was the best rookie quarterback in the NFL, better than Mac Jones. I wrote a column about that in the Chronicle, going over each quarterback, what they did down the stretch, and it was clear that Mills was the best. And he didn't have a top-rated running game, and he didn't have a top-rated defense like Mac Jones did to help him. So I think you want to continue to see him improve his touchdown to interception ratio. But even that's, you know, deceiving because he had four of those 10 in Buffalo when they got killed and wasn't ready to play and the weather was horrible. And so, but I'd still think, you know, they'd like to see him in the twenties with touchdown passes and twice as many touchdown passes, interceptions. And if he could do three times, that would be tremendous. And they want to see them improve the running game that is worst in the league last year, 31st the year before, and I believe they will. And in Mills' development is the most important thing that's happening on this team. And I think Lovey Smith feels more comfortable with his players on defense, what he can call, who can do what. And so I look for them next season. And I'm we don't even know what the draft is, and we don't know what are the free agents are going to sign. But I would think – if they could go from four to six or seven wins, that would be big. And last year they lose by three. The Patriots, Mills plays great. They lose by three to the Titans at the end. Mills plays great. They lost a one-score game at Miami. And so I could see this team winning six or seven. And I said this on uh, Sports Radio 610 last Friday that I could see them competing for a wild card in 2023 and Clint Sterner and Ron Hughley almost swallowed their microphones and I said because to compete for a wild card berth if you win nine games you can compete for a wild card berth and this time next year they got a lot of draft choices again and I could see Casario making deals to have more picks next year and then next year making sure in 2024 he's got some extras and, and then also, as Nick brought up, when he talked to the media, he's going to have more than $100 million in salary cap run. Now, they're not going to go crazy. That's not his style and do like Jacksonville. And I think but they will sign players who deserve it to extensions. And that's a great message to send. You be the player we think you can be. You, you help us establish the culture, which is attitude. That's what a culture is. It's attitude. And you help us do that and you play well, we will pay you. And then they'll go out, I think this time next year, we'll be talking about one or two free agents prominent that they paid a lot of money for. And with the draft choices and with free agency and with the improvement of Mills, the way Pep Hamilton and Lovey 
Smith and Nick Casario think he's capable of. I think I could see the team going from four last season to six or seven this season and eight or nine the year after that, which would give people so much hope. Although, General, <laughs> Texans are at three and 13, and you need a trade partner, obviously, and sometimes those are hard to find. Sometimes, as I used to at high school dances, I used to get the Heisman from uh, the fellow co-eds that I asked of dances. At dances, it could happen to the Texans. But we know Nick Casario has shown trade up, trade down. He's done a lot of that in the 2021 draft. Now he's got more assets to do it in this 2022 draft. He's sitting with 3-13. and 13. I did a mock draft the other day. I traded down both times, 3-9 to nine and 13-17. to 17. So similar question to I asked you before. A, draft at 3-13. and 13. B, draft at 3, but not at 13 to trade down. C, trade down at a 3, but then draft at 13. Which scenario do you think makes the most sense on night one? I think that there'd be a better chance to trade down from three if you could get Carolina interested in a quarterback like Malik Willis. You know, they're talking about Detroit taking him in the second pick. And I'm thinking, my God, what's the guy done to make people think that he's worth a high pick like that? Because it's only been in shorts and T-shirts. And everybody was ooing and aahing at the combine in his pro day. And that's great. But I think a lot of the people are smart enough to know you go back and watch the tape and he's a year away and that's fine but ideally a team like Carolina wants that third pick and you could go there and you could still get one of the two best offensive linemen you could still get maybe Sauce Gardner or Kyle Hamilton and uh, with 13 you could still get Jermaine Johnson now a lot of people think they're going to get Kayvon Thibodeau maybe they will but it's a fact that he does take off plays. And if you get him at 13, that's great value. But I wouldn't take a guy that has questions about his motor at, with the third pick. But I'm, I mean, I think we all believe Casario will trade one of those picks, maybe both. But I'll say this, they don't want too many rookies on this team. So I think deals, by the end of the draft, he will have made deals for next year. Because they already got, what, 10 or 11 next year as well? And uh, you can't have – you don't want to go into training camp with, you know, 12 or 13 draft choices. Plus, they'll keep a, they'll sign a couple of undrafted rookies. as way too many rookies. But uh, I do think if there's a chance of one of it, it would be three. General, the list of attendees for the draft in Vegas looks pretty good to me. I mean, they got a lot of top prospects there. It looks like uh, they're filling out the field pretty well. Your thoughts on the way they're conducting it, taking it on the road, particularly this year in Las Vegas. And I'm wondering if they had the draft in Des Moines, would they get this kind of turnout? They're never going to have the draft in Des Moines, so we don't have to worry about it. What do you think? <laughs> well, the last time I went was Jadavion Clowney, and that was in New York. I went a bunch of years in New York. And then it got to a point where New York didn't care that the draft was there anymore. And uh, it was at Radio City Music Hall, and it was fun to be there. And when it used to be at Madison Square Garden, and it was the fans were there from the Giants and the Jets and the Eagles, and they made it so much noise. And then you had the players' families up there. It was exciting because it was compact. Now it's a show. 
it's been a show like Vegas before it got to Vegas. And I can't wait to see what they do. They're talking about bringing them out on boats in the fountain at the Bellagio. I believe that. Can you imagine bringing Evan Neal, 6'7", and 350? <laughs> or the guy from Minnesota, what is it, Philele? Is that his name? Philele, yeah. He's 6'8", six, eight, six, eight, 380, putting them on a boat in a pond like that. So the fact is, we don't really know what they're doing, but it's been a tremendous show. I still love the one from the pandemic where everybody did it at home. That was an all-time great. The NFL did a fantastic job. And as someone who's been to Las Vegas quite a bit, how in the world, Las Vegas Boulevard, which runs down the middle of the strip and is bumper to bumper all the time, if they block that off, where will all that traffic go? Uh-huh. And But it's going to be so exciting. I can't wait to see it. It's so much more fun when you have two number one picks and actually have a second round pick as opposed to the last two years and especially last year when they didn't pick until the third round. And one reason I'm excited about the Texans draft, Nick Casario on his five picks that he ended up with after making a lot of deals, each of those picks showed promise at one time or another. Now, all of them may pan out, two or three of them may not, but they showed promise, and that should have people fired up about Casario's second draft, the first time he's had a first picks in the first and second round. One of my favorite segments to do with the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer, is called Gut Reaction. John McClain and Mark Vandermeer. John, you go first. Mark, you're going to get a second to think about this. General, I'm going to read you a tweet from Tom Pelissaro. I want your oh gut reaction, your thoughts to this, And then, Mark, I want you to piggyback off of this. Here's the tweet. The Cardinals have yet to make a contract offer to Pro Bowl quarterback Kyler Murray, whose agent, Eric Burkhart, informed the team weeks ago he was pulling his opening proposal off the table, per sources. Other teams are monitoring closely. Arizona insists Murray won't be traded. General, give me your gut reaction. Mark, you're on deck with your gut reaction. Who cares? He hadn't done squat to get a new to get a new contract. They should bring in Baker Mayfield and see what uh, the reaction is for Kyler Murray. Ooh, ooh! Uh, my gut reaction Kingsbury, is. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say Kingsbury had him at Texas Tech, and you can get Baker Mayfield real cheap right now. But Kyler Murray, would you give him forty million a year based on what he's done? No way. Yeah, I mean, look, the market has been set, guys, and it is very high. Now, Murray, they've had some good moments with him, but it's been inconsistent. Kind of like Baker in a different way, I get it. But Baker's put up an 11-5 and in 2020, went healthy. You know, it, it's a good question. You know, who would you rather invest in at this point? And it might be pick your poison because neither guy has really played up to the ultimate potential of where they were picked. Uh, my gut reaction is, what row trouble in paradise. <laughs> Murray is going to be gone from the desert at some point. Probably not this year, but probably afterwards. I think the, the one thing that stood out to me in that tweet, guys, was the fact that it was noted that Eric Burkhart had pulled the original yeah. offer. Uh, okay. Like, he then put an offer out there, then looked and saw all these other quarterbacks getting paid and went, no, 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 we're going to get more. I mean, the last time we saw Kyler Murray in a football game, he had a quarterback rating of eight. Yeah, 
Yeah. And he was that imploding looked- against the Rams in a playoff but- game. And granted, the offensive line was awful that day and had been awful in front of him. And there was no DeAndre Hopkins. So I understand. But it feels like we make a lot of excuses for Kyler Murray out in Arizona. And he really hasn't proven anything where you go, yep, he is that guy for us. And I'll tell you, who's a flying this reminds me of- out there. It's Cliff down. Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury and Eric Burkhardt are best friends who are roommates at Texas Tech. And Kingsbury's represented by Eric Burkhart. So that's got to be awkward when your best friend benefits or or could fail. And I know they would try to separate it, but still, it's an interesting dynamic. Absolutely. And as far as the agent offering the Cardinals and them saying nothing about it virtually that we know about anyway, reminds me of when I offered to be Cindy Crawford's boyfriend back in the day. Uh, and there were crickets on the other end, of course. All right. You came so, in second, I heard. Yeah, of course, to uh, Richard Gere, was it? All right. Baker Mayfield, General. A lot of talk today. I heard the afternoon show uh, talking about this uh, with the signing of Geno Smith in Seattle. How does that affect Baker in Seattle? I think Seattle's still in play for a quarterback, and I think Clint said as much. Obviously, if you have Drew Locke and Geno Smith, you can't think you're done. Oh, we're good to go. <laughs> it worked so well with Bridgewater and Drew Locke in Denver. Geno Smith and Drew Locke, that's a winning combination. No, they're in the market for a quarterback for sure. But what about Baker? What happens with him, and what do you think Seattle ultimately tries to do anyway? He's guaranteed $18 million from the Browns. The Seahawks, unless they're going to draft a quarterback, are not rebuilding. And if I may feel, I will call Pete Carroll, say, I'll come there. I won't try to get an extension. Just give me a chance because he's got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf at wide receiver, Noah Fant at tight end, and Rashad Penny re-signed at running back, averaged 132 yards a game over his last five games. And that is a, a big-time offense and they may use their first pick on an offensive tackle one of the best here and they could re-sign 37 year old Dwayne Brown so if I'm Mayfield that's where I want to go to prove myself and uh, I would make do anything I could to go there there's a lot of talk that they may just cut him now if they cut him they've got to worry that he's going to go two hours away to Pittsburgh and he's going to go to their their chief rival their bitter rival and beat out Mitchell Trubisky, which shouldn't be too hard, and be the starting quarterback and play the Browns twice a year for years with a huge chip on his shoulder. So that's why the Browns want to trade him. They'll pick up a big portion of his salary if they have to. That's not a big deal. But I'm saying if Mayfield should try to orchestrate getting to the Seahawks. John, Derek Carr gets a contract extension from the Raiders. Handicap the AFC West right now, if you can. Chiefs, Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, the four quarterbacks in that division, Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson. Is there a possibility? What what would you put the possibility at? Three AFC West teams make the playoffs. And what would you put the possibility of two of them making? How do you look at the AFC West right now with quarterbacks locked up for a while, all the talent seemingly flying into that division, yet the Chiefs losing a big piece in Tyreek Hill? How would you handicap the AFC West right now heading into the draft? Quarterbacks make receivers. And that's why the Packers are 7-0 with an averaging 31 a game without Devontae Adams. 
And I think as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are there, that offensive passing, that passing game and that offense are going to continue to be tremendous. And Tyreek Hill will not be the same weapon in Miami, but he'll have a great contract. And I would put them number one uh, because Denver has a really good defense and had a, uh, a above average running game, but I don't know if they will. Now I'd put Denver second and uh, the Raiders third because they were in the playoffs and then the chargers, you know, they didn't make the playoffs. So they should start at the bottom. I feel strongly guys that the, the road to the Super Bowl will not go through the AFC West because they're going to beat each other up and there's going to be another team, maybe the Titans again, who knows, that's going to be able to play well in its division and get home field advantage over the Chiefs. And uh, it's I have can't remember the last time I saw a division that was tougher from top to bottom than the AFC West should be. Now, somebody will have a quarterback go down or something that will affect that division. But uh, if you're a fan out there, you got to be excited about it, but you also got to be scared to death because of the power and the balance. All right. I, the thinking fan says that the AFC North, yeah, you're not going to say they're a better prospect than the AFC West top to bottom, but this is a brutal division. Look at the Bengals going 10-7 and seven and what they did going to the Super Bowl. Steelers had a winning record. The year before, they were 12-4. and four. They had a winning record with Roethlisberger barely able to play. The Browns put up an 11-5 with Baker Mayfield healthy in 2020. Last year, not so much, obviously, 8-9. and nine. And the Ravens were 8-9 and nine with Lamar Jackson missing the last four games. And they lost to the Rams by a point and lost to the Steelers by a field goal in the last two games. If you have Lamar Jackson, I'm saying that they're getting over the top. I think the Ravens could win that division. I think it's a tough division. General, your thoughts? Well, first of all, you only got one quarterback in that division, uh, Cincinnati, that didn't have issues last year. Roethlisberger was hurt. He's gone. You know, Mitchell Trubisky doesn't, I don't think, conjure any anybody to make them scared to go play at Heinz Field, even though they'll always have a good defense. Sean Watson. Hadn't played for a year. He might get suspended. And um, Lamar Jackson comes back. You hope he stays healthy. I, I still think if he had an agent, he would have signed a new contract, made a lot of money. But he and his mom are the ones making that decision. And so a lot of people will say, okay, Cincinnati again. But then it's just hard to pick the Bengals to win that division. And you think the Ravens are losing Jackson and three their top three running backs, John Harbaugh may have done his all-time best coaching job. And so I, it's weird. Going into that season, the Steelers are going to be picked last. When is the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers were picked last in their division? Ooh, wow. It hasn't been since Ben's been there. So that's going all the way back to Tommy Maddox days, and I don't even think it was with Tommy either. So ooh, you're going – Man, 80s, I'm guessing, yeah, because be. they had they had several bad seasons in the 80s. But at that point, the Oilers were bad. The Browns were better. But I can't remember Pittsburgh ever being picked last. General Colts, Titans, which team has more pressure going into 2022 after the finish of 2021? 
I think that's a great question, John. And I think Jimmy Ursay has put the pressure on his team. He's put it on Chris Ballard. He's put it on Frank Wright. You know, they won one playoff game since they've been there. That was beating the Texans at NRG Stadium after the 2018 season. And so they are under a whole lot of pressure. The Titans are not. Uh, Mike Vrabel got an extension. General Manager John Robinson got an extension. They're going to have Derrick Henry's healthy again. And um, so I think the Titans will be favored. It's amazing to me how many people I've seen saying Indianapolis is a Super Bowl contender. And I'm thinking, why? You know, why would they be a Super Bowl contender? Matt Ryan had a terrible year. Was it him starting to go down or was it because he didn't have any talent around him other than rookie tight end Kyle Pitts? But I think the Titans are the division favorite until somebody knocks them off. John, one more. Will, is that your cat? Will you watch That's USFL my cat. Okay. Want you to do a rock and roll. Okay. <laughs> rock and roll. Meow. Um, I wanted to be sure it was a, yeah, an animal, actually. All right. That's let's, uh, let, let's ask you this. Uh, are you going to watch USFL football this weekend? You know, every minor <laughs> league that starts is going to fail. They always do. And I went to a game last year with the Roughnecks because I'm good buddies with June Jones, and it was fun. They had about 19,000, and those fans were pumped. And I'm sorry that they didn't get to see it through. I think yeah. the, the, the new USFL is a gimmick. Having teams like, does anybody here care about the gamblers? Has anybody seen the gamblers? No, they're all in nope. Birmingham. Now, yep. the only, only person I know in that organization Who's even on the team is Kevin Sumlin, the head coach. I know Jeff Fisher's at the Michigan team. It's just weird the way they're going about it. So I don't care if Fox is behind them. They're destined to fail. The XFL comes back next year. It's destined to fail. Uh, People that make a lot of money don't like losing money. And as I saw somebody point out today, I was talking about the Alliance of American Football and XFL last year. It's expensive to have a 40 to 45-man roster. It costs a lot of money, and people with money don't like to lose it. So, no, I'm not going to watch it. I will check the scores, but I'm too busy getting ready for the draft. I love that. People with a lot of money don't like to lose money. Very wise. (laughs) General, thanks so much for the time, as always. Mark and John, thank you guys very much. I really appreciate it. All right, coming up, who's better? John Harris is going to tell us. We've got AFC South stuff. We have quarterback stuff. We have spring football league stuff. We have wide receiver stuff. And then some. It's all coming up here on Texans Radio. Stay tuned for more on the Houston Texans and the NFL on Texans All Access. Texas. We put quality, technology, and capability in the hands of every Texan who drives one. Visit your Texas Ford dealer today and you'll see why. Ford is the best in Texas. Ashley is proud to call Houston home. 
We believe your personal style makes your house a home. Discover incredible styles, selection, and quality at a price to fit any budget. Ashley has just the looks and options you need. Explore totally different styles and trends all in one place. Finding the perfect furniture and home decor makes it easy for you to create a home you love to live in. We have 12 Houston area locations to serve you. Ashley, proud partner of the Houston Texans. We return to Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And a disturbing tweet today, Johnny, from Kyle Hamilton, draft prospect. I mean, it's just, I don't know if it's a deal breaker or not, but this is going to have a lot of people up in arms. Kyle Hamilton tweeting, Drake is the best artist ever, including MJ. That would be Michael Jackson, not Michael Jordan. Uh And LeBron is the best basketball player ever, including MJ. That's Michael Jordan. These are hills I'll never come down. Okay. Drake is the best artist ever. All right. My 16-year-old son, who's the focus group market research firm of one when it relates to uh, our digital media department, does agree that Drake might be the best artist ever, at least for him. But come on. No. You can't do this. Look, if I'm going to – it's hard to pick the best ever. It's music. It's subjective. And I assume he means musical artist. I mean, there's a pretty wide area of artists in general, so let's just go there. Come on. Drake's not better than Michael Jackson. You can't go there. You can't do that. No way. Thoughts? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I didn't have as uh, I didn't have as much I didn't have as as tough a time with that, and and I love I love me some MJ. I, I mean I love Jackson Five. I mean I'll I'll definitely bump that in the car. Jackson Five. Jackson I'm talking 5. Michael Jackson. The whole body of work. I, all right. I know, I know, but you have to include Jackson Five in all of that, you know. But I know, look, man, it's good. Kyle Hamilton is twenty years old. Twenty years I old. Know. That's the problem. So <laughs> we, we talk about this all the time. People put out – there was this, this happened last year. Somebody put out a list, I think, of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time, and they were – every single quarterback named played from 2000 to 2020, whatever it was. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. Yeah, like, Doug Flutie played college football. Dre played yeah. college football in 1989. Like, there yep. are things that happen. This happens all the time. And then he said LeBron over MJ. <laughs> no. no. Here's – to me, the separator will always be, I think LeBron was a better all-round skilled basketball player. Michael Jordan, there is no other competitor on his level. B.J. Armstrong said it in the last dance. He said it perfectly. He said Michael Jordan wasn't playing basketball. He was competing to beat you. So whatever it took to beat you, he was going to do it. Needed 50, he'd give you 50. If he needed 40 rebounds, he went and got 40 rebounds. If he needed to lock you up, he'd lock you up. He found the way to beat you, and he mastered that. In LeBron, no. I mean, how many coaches has LeBron gone in LeBron's, I mean, Come on. Ridiculous. In LeBron's – well, Stop. in LeBron's defense, yeah, but – well, Michael happened to uh, run in or run with the greatest coach that ever lived after he was done with Doug Collins, who was also a pretty good coach. But I'm not going to hold that against him. But I will say this. Michael never had to deal with the Golden State Warriors or any team of that equivalent in his era. Never did. No way. You can't sell me on it. This is one of the greatest teams I've ever seen that 
LeBron had to deal with, and he actually beat them once. So I will die on that hill, but we're not talking basketball right now. Let's play who's better. Everyone's like, okay. no, this is just getting now, good. Now you're All right, here we go. Who's? Now you're in my head. You're in my, you're in okay. my head with this now telling <laughs> me the Bulls didn't have an equivalent. They didn't because nobody could. Nobody had a Jordan. Nobody had Jordan. The only team that had a Jordan oh, gosh. was the one right here that had an Elijah one. And that, had, they, had the Rockets and Bulls gone mano a mano in 94 and 95, I think we might look at it a little, a little, little it. differently. A little differently. Would but it didn't work out. It. Would have loved to see it. It didn't work out. But you're, yeah. you're right. I, I they think... didn't have a team. The Warriors, look, the Warriors didn't have a team like the Bulls didn't have a team. You know what I mean? What team did the Warriors have? Yeah, I know, have? but this is another the, – the Warriors changed the game, though, I believe. Anyway, let's go. Let's go. Who's better? Okay. <laughs> Back to All right, football. come on. All right, come on. Where should I start with this? Oh, my gosh. All right, who's better on paper – Heading into the draft, heading into the season, okay? So I'm asking you, without knowing what's going to happen in the draft, who's better on paper, the Texans or the Jags? Mind you, before you answer, going into last year, people assumed Trevor Lawrence, and they assumed the Jags would be better than the Texans because they assumed Watson was not going to play and the rest is history. But the Texans swept the Jags. In fact, they beat them up pretty good. So your thoughts on that topic Said it all the time with Mac Brown. He was uh, he was Mr. February. He won February. He won all the recruiting rankings and all that. And it took it took getting Vince Young for him to actually win a championship in January. I don't know if the Jaguars have done that, but they certainly won March. All the money they had to throw around to bring in Christian Kirk and the number of players Zay Jones, I think, ended up there in Jacksonville. Look. On paper, you would look at it and go, oh, the Jags are much better, and you know Trevor Lawrence is going to improve with Doug Peterson. We've heard that before. Last year, we heard that. Oh, duh, uh, Urban Meyer, he's got Trevor Lawrence, man. They're going to they're gonna win six, seven games. Uh, they're definitely better than the Texans. Look, I'm at a point in this rivalry, if you want to call it that, I'll believe when I see it because it's been a sweep every year since 2011. And the only two that go for the Jaguars are 13 and 17. So there's something about that. The flip side of that is the Colts-Jaguars. For some reason, the Colts can't go down to Duval County and win. They just can't. doesn't matter how good the Jags are or not. They don't win down there for some reason. And the Colts, you would say, are markedly better than the Jaguars. In this rivalry with the Jaguars, they just haven't beaten the Texans. They've just... They spit all over themselves in the two games. They have turnovers. They have just wild, crazy plays. And quite frankly, the Texans have played better than them in the last two games, in particular in 2021, uh, in in doing so. I do think the Jags will be better this year. But I think the Texans, with this rookie talent mixed in with some guys they had last year, and Lovey Smith taking over as head coach, I think is going to end up being a good thing. I think on paper, people would tell you the Jags. But until the Jags actually show it, I'm not buying that they win in March and they're going to win in September as a result. That happened one year, 2017. That was it. Clay's Campbell, A.J. Boye, good draft that year, and away they went. That's one time. After right. that, it's been a bust every time they've done that. Okay, next who's better? 
It's draft time, in case you didn't notice, two weeks from tonight, Miller Outdoor Theater. It'll be live right here. All right, so let's do this. You have multiple players at the same position, which is just the way it is, right? You got multiple offensive linemen, multiple tackles, obviously. Yep. Within that, you got multiple corners. You got Sauce and Stingley, a corner. You got receivers. You got all this, right? Last year, you had receivers. Uh, let's just take this pair right here. Who's better now, and who was better in your mind going into the draft, Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase? Oh, now, I'll point this out. That Waddle with the Dolphins, I mean, he put up a 104-catch season, and you yeah. know who was throwing him the football. Jamar Chase, he looked very good, explosive. I mean, 1,455 yards, my goodness, on 81 catches. I mean, he really knew how to move with the football in his hands. Who's better, Johnny, and who was better going into the draft, in your opinion? Look, they both wrote books. They wrote novels. That's the only thing that's the same about them. They're receivers. Everything else is different. Everything else. Jamar Chase, I had rated ahead of Jalen Waddle. I had Jamar Chase number three overall last year. Trevor Lawrence. I don't remember who was at two. Jamar Chase was at three. And I remember there being some debate. Oh, he opted out. What's it going to be? I said, look, this dude's a baller. And then he proved it. He went back, obviously, with his teammate Joe Burrow, and, and that helped. But the Bengals take him and put him on the backside of a trip formation, and he's back over there into the boundary just working one-on-one on dudes and going to town. I mean, going to town on guys, and he's in his first year. Jalen does it differently. He's going to line up in the slot. He's going to take push passes. He's going to catch uh, bubble screens. It's going to be shallows. It's going to be... Uh, over routes he might catch a slot fade every now and again and that's something that I think the Dolphins have got to do a little bit more with him but their receivers really and I mean just because that's the name you give those guys that catch the football as much as they do but they're so completely different now Jay Waddle I love because he's from Houston he's a homeboy I love him I would argue that Jamar Chase is one of the top three receivers in the league right now wow okay it's not just about the numbers. Not oh, just know. about the numbers. Right. I didn't even quote. I didn't even quote Jamar Chase's numbers. No, I didn't even. Not one iota. You just watch the game film and you can see that dude is really freaking good. Really good. You have to game plan for that guy. Eventually in Miami, you're gonna have to game plan for Waddle. I don't think it's there yet, but Jamar Chase is that dude. Waddle seems to me like a technician, and he's gonna have a. A lot of production, a really yes. good target, no good-looking target. That's a that's a high number for a rookie right there. All right, who's better, Johnny? Baker Mayfield's 2020 Browns, who finished 11-5, and five, or the 2022 Browns, quarterbacked by Watson, assuming he plays, that there's no suspension, and that he can play the bulk of the season. 2020 Browns, not last year, the year before yeah. when they went 11-5, and five, or this year's Browns, with Watson, who's better? The first thing that stands out is the fact that in 2020, Baker Mayfield did have juice. He had Landry for most of 2020, if not all of 2020. That's that's massive. Now, I don't know where Land. I don't know if Land, Landry hasn't signed anywhere. I don't think. And I had heard the Browns or Browns fans were like, "Yo, yo, come on back, come on back." So I don't know what happens there. But Juice was he's a decent piece of that 2020 offense. Austin Hooper at tight end. He's no longer there. I think Deshaun makes up for it. But I really don't know at this point where Cleveland 
finds receptions. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is underrated. I think, I think he's got an opportunity to kind of be one of those guys that was drafted later rounds. You look back and go, man, how did that guy get to the later rounds? And you're like, because the Michigan quarterback stunk. They did pick up Amari Cooper. So I think that's a nice little one-two in Jakeem Grants in the slot. Uh, but you do slot things with him. I do think they need one more one more piece. Maybe it's Njoku who they franchised. But I think losing Jar- Jarvis Landry is is big. I think they're more talented on defense in 2022. I think they're overall across the board. Adding John Johnson last year. Troy Hill they added last year as a nickel. Um, Denzel Ward just gets better and better. I think defensively they're a little bit better in 2022. I think Watson's better than Baker Mayfield. If Deshaun plays the whole year, I think it's 2022 Browns. All right, we'll see because they'll be at NRG Stadium, folks, and we don't know when. Schedule's going to come out sometime after the draft. You know we'll be all over that. All right, coming up, I got one more who's better. I've got who's better, Drake or just kidding about that, but, man, that tweet is gaining a lot of uh, debate (laughs) steam here. It's Texans Radio. Texans Radio continues in a moment. Texans fans, do you want to win a trip to Las Vegas to support your Houston Texans in this year's draft? Mattress Firm is providing one lucky fan with round-trip airfare for two to Las Vegas, a two-night stay at a hotel, two tickets to the draft, and a $500 food and beverage voucher. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash draft contest to enter to win this unforgettable experience. That's HoustonTexans.com slash draft contest, courtesy of Mattress Firm, the official sleep partner of the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans. The Texans Radio is back. All right, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. So Lane tweeted in, I have a 24-year-old daughter who loves Drake, but if you ask her who the best is, she'll tell you George Strait every day of the year. Lane, are you sure? Are you sure that she's really meaning that or is she just sort of pandering? Pandering to dad. I need the car keys too, by the way. Or she's 24, so I would think that she's off on her own somewhere. (laughs) You never know. All right. Uh, But, yeah, George Strait is awesome. Look, it's music. It's subjective. It's like, what's the best movie? It's The Godfather. But, you know, that's a fact. But, you know, you might have another opinion. I don't know. I mean, some of our younger younger employees think it's too slow. They thought Tyler Sudarth, our Emmy Award-winning videographer, thought Goodfellas was too slow. What? Okay. So you can't – I I love Suds to death. He's like my my little brother. But you can't put any reliance – at all on anything when it comes to movies with Suds. None whatsoever. Really? I Yeah. I told him that uh, – let's just put it this way. He didn't know who Margot Robbie was. Oh, that see, yeah, you can't talk movies with him. Then. Exactly. You can't do exactly. it. Sorry, Tyler. I yeah. mean, he's, but he's won an Emmy. <laughs> he's good at, I know. He's he's good at videos. I, he, does, he does a tremendous job. He just doesn't yeah. know movies because he puts all of his effort into work. He does, and he won the Emmy, uh, like, like I said, but building the Texans, he produces that. He's our lead producer. He does all the cool stuff we have on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. Also, uh, USFL, Johnny, it is this weekend, so it's funny when you look at the schedule. New Jersey Generals at the Birmingham Stallions. Where have you <laughs> gone, Cliff Stout and Brian Sype? Houston Gamblers at the Michigan Panthers. Where have you got Jim Kelly and Bobby Bear? Or the Philadelphia Stars at the Breakers, Chuck Fusina and 
This is my second favorite all-time pro quarterback that's a non-Texan. Behind Dan Fouts, it's Johnny Walton of the old Boston Breakers. Look him up. But all these games are being played in Birmingham. There are no home and road teams. It's just for decoration, I guess. Maybe they'll change the stadium. Are they doing a doubleheader? Because on Saturday, I think think it's a triple header on Saturday or Sunday. They're doing a triple header. Noon, four, and eight. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> and how about, uh, Mark, I saw this. Gosh, where did I see this? The a ticket is an all-day ticket. It's like an NCAA tournament ticket. When you have the when you have the regional, or you've got the the first and second rounds. The first and second rounds are some of the best sporting events to ever go to because you have four games in a day. You go game, twenty-minute break, game. Then there's about an hour and a half break. You come back if you go on to lunch or whatever. Then game, 20 minutes, game. It's amazing. It's 10 bucks. It's 10 bucks a ticket for the entire day. So triple for header, they're all playing the same stadium. 10 bucks, yes. Well, you know what? That's the smartest thing they've done. They yeah. have to charge very little. They have to get butts in the seats. I think a COVID world made them feel better about having it all in one location. And from what I heard, we talked to a coach about this, Dave McGinnis from the Tennessee Titans radio yep. crew. He said that, because he talked to Jeff Fisher about it, he said that the idea is that it's a success on TV. The ratings are good enough that these teams can retreat to their home cities by next year. But that would mean you have the Houston Gamblers and the Houston, whatever they're going to call it. I don't know if they're going to call it the Roughnecks in the XFL. And I haven't even heard if they're back in Houston for sure, although Wade Phillips is coaching a team. I would assume it's Houston. We should know these things, but who cares? We're into the NFL. All right, but I love that Wade's coaching. Good luck, Wade. And I I will check this out this week, and I love pro football. You know that. Uh, Johnny, the Harris 100 is up on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. All your stuff, everything we've been talking about, we have a show tomorrow. We are two weeks away, my friend, from the event, the off-season Super Bowl. You're charged up. Mark, it can't get here fast enough. I'll be brutally honest. It cannot get here fast enough with these first-round picks. You know, once the Sean Watson trade was made and we had, as Nick said, clarity, it felt good. Like, okay, yeah. now we know what we're in store for. And if Nick decides to trade, just trade down once of one of those first-round picks, it gets even more exciting to see what he'll get back in return and how this thing doesn't get built two weeks from now over that weekend. But over the next three, four, five draft weekends, this thing gets rebuilt in the right way with a solid foundation. Yep, you got a lot of picks. Let's see how they use them. All right, thanks a lot to Chris for producing. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you to the general, John McClain. Have a great night, everyone. This show will be up on the Texans app soon enough. Go Texans! This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Texas Children's Hospital is proud to be the official children's hospital of the Houston Texans and local sponsor of Play 60. Getting kids moving for just 60 minutes a day can improve bone health, fitness, brain function, attention, and academic performance. Join us in our commitment to the Houston Texans and Play 60. Because at Texas Children's Hospital, everything we do is to ensure your family's future is a healthier one. You can't put a price on good sleep, but at Mattress Firm's Unjunk Your Sleep Sale, you can save up to $400. For a limited time, save on select mattresses from Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchase up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America. 
and get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. Only at Mattress Firm, the number one Tempur-Pedic retailer. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details.